Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. It is the Anfield wrap after Liverpool have beaten Burnley by three goals to nil. I am Neil Atkinson. I'm joined by Neil Jones, by Chloe Bloxham, by Phil Blundell and by Andy Heaton to talk about what normally is the Battle of Burnley, the way in which Turf Moor goes. But Neil Jones, the Burnley battle, it never truly materialised. No, it was quite a... I mean, it's very rare that you, you, you see any period of time in a Liverpool... Well, any team away at Turf Moor and you think, you may as well blow the whistle now. The, the whole second half felt like it felt like it dragged to be honest and I, I don't often say that when I go and watch Liverpool I, I remember I was sitting next to Melissa Reddy and I sort of she had the sort of monitor by her and I just you know leaned over how long's left she went 20 I was like what 20 it was like this, this second half felt like it's been going on for an hour you know it was just it was just a stream of nothingness from the second half and that, that that's the biggest credit you can give Liverpool I think I spoke to Andy Robertson afterwards and he said you don't often get a game like that he said well, it's always a real tough one when you come to Turf Moor but I mean in four minutes in the space of four minutes in the first half Liverpool killed it off and I think that's a, as I say it's the biggest compliment you can give them is that they're now starting to break teams I think like Burnley they're not just breaking the sort of you know the ones that you'd expect them to beat Huddersfield or whoever else at home they're now going away and, and, and being just too good for for teams that traditionally would love to get stuck into them Phil the, the first goal's a fluke uh, but even by that point bar the very early Chris Wood efforts Burnley are absolutely at arm's length they can't get near Liverpool's goal um, and then the second one kills it as a contest Yeah, the, I mean it was a fluke but you were almost there was part of me that was starting to be a little bit concerned not because we weren't playing very well and we weren't it wasn't comfortable for us but you sort of get to a point at Burnley where you think right we, we haven't scored now is this going to be a problem and th- thankfully that I reckon I was about five minutes away from thinking yeah, it could be could be testy because you get to half time they can go in they can reorganise and they can do something maybe a bit different second half and the two goals in what was it, was it felt like about four three minutes, or four minutes Yeah, four minutes. Um, that just basically ended the game as a contest and you shouldn't it you shouldn't be able to go to Burnley and it'd be that easy and it's a market just how good this side is at the minute it's ridiculous I mean that's about 23 games unbeaten I think isn't it and it's it's getting silly row. now 13 in a row it's the most we've won in a row in club history as well now which is basically we're getting to a position where every single record is now with this team almost it's Chloe what the second does is it shows what Liverpool can do on the break and I think that as much as anything else it's not just the idea of a second goal but the nature of it where if you are Sean Dyche, you know, start the season relatively well um, in terms of performances, and all of a sudden he's probably thinking somewhere, I don't want to get battered here. I don't want to get battered on our ground. So if we then push out, half-time doesn't come that long after, and as Neil says, it's almost like Burnley are quite happy to have a second half where very little happens, because if things start to happen quickly, two could become three, three could become four. Burnley are reassuringly sane. Yeah, it was like in the second half they were doing damage limitation. They were more focused on Liverpool not adding more uh, than actually going and trying getting back into the game. But um, just having two in midfield for them actually let us dominate. Um, you know, on 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 the wings with the 
you know, the wingers playing as protection for the full-backs. It was harder for Trent and Robbo to get into positions which could create opportunities. So instead, we dominated through the middle. And, you know, when you go to Burnley, you see a very disciplined side. And I'm quite surprised how the second goal came at the fact that I don't even know who me is trying to pass it to, to be honest. It's just it's 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 just such a misplaced pass. But the the thing I liked about the counter attack was in in positions like that, some teams and some players can like not stay focused and concentrated and, and kind of panic and either release a ball too early or put too much on the ball. But for me now, he just he holds the ball to the point which is absolute perfection and then delivers the perfect pass. And Mane's finish, just glides into the bottom corner, is brilliant. But I think the fact of when Firmino knew when to release that pass was brilliant because he dragged three players into him and that left Mane absolutely free. It was exactly the same goal he scored in Rome, wasn't it? Yeah. And do you remember um, in the semi-final yeah. second leg with Nangle and play the pass into midfield and straight away, bang, there you go. Game over. It's just that that seems to be a, a pretty um. It's it's the beauty of Firmino and the beauty of Mane is that no one's gonna if your fullback decides right it's safe build up I'm gonna move up yeah as soon as he loses it they're not catching Mane and Firmino will always read the pass or be in the right position to to take advantage of it. Would have, would have loved to have heard like Sean Dyche's internal monologue when the ball went to uh, Firmino's feet and it just must be like well what's the point? There would have been a lot of swearing yeah. I suspect. Um, in terms of the domination, Andy, a few other sides will go there and make it look that easy. And I think it is it is partially the gate the way the game situation is. But as I said before, you know, they have one. Burnley have the early effort through Ward, and then I think they only have one more uh, before Liverpool are tuning up, which is something McNeil hits that just gets blocked right in front of him. Barnes has a couple of little goes just before the break, but then again, you know, there's not another chance then really for Burnley until into the seventieth minute or so like that, where they're able to have an attempt on goal. Liverpool are just the, the gulf there is is just huge. Even if Liverpool themselves weren't just pulling Burnley apart through the second half, we never looked panicked. Uh, even when Burnley had those chances, um, and Burnley, try, look, listen, the games against Burnley are as tough as what you allow Burnley to make them be. Uh, I think we kept our heads really well. I think we were solid. Um, I think once we go one up, it then becomes a game of football as opposed to a war of attrition. Um, whereas previously, I think. Sides could get at Anfield a little bit. We could panic a little bit and maybe think, oh, we, we, we don't don't really want any of this. There's a bit of panic in the box, a lack of discipline. Um, actually, I had a little look at this because the easy answer, and I surprised myself, I was looking because previously, Burnley, you go there and you're thinking, oh, if they get in amongst it, they might bully us a little bit. We've all been there. Um, and even going into the game, I was, I was quite calm. There's almost like an arrogance about this Liverpool side now. Um, against the, against these sides, so I thought, well, the easy answer is, well, we're obviously a lot bigger and tougher than what we were on the on the previous season. So I went back and looked at the season when Klopp takes over from uh, from Rodgers, and you might be surprised because um, you, you think, oh, the, the side we've got now looks a lot bigger, a lot stronger, right? So you go through. Um, there was actually more height in the in the in the Rodgers team, believe it or not. So you go through the team now, you get the Mingle age 6'4", Saka. I, 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 I looked at the central part of the pitch and I looked at the players who you consider would be first team at that time, right? So you've got Mingle, Saka, Skirtle, Lovren, Emery Chan, Henderson, Steven Gerrard, Bal- well, not Balotelli, Sturridge, all over six foot. Well, Gerrard, Gerrard wasn't there when Klopp took over. No, at the start. This is Boxing Day this is, 2015. Yeah, ah, Boxing Sorry. Day 2015, yeah, yeah. okay. Sterling scored 1-0. Yeah. And then you look at... What we've got now, you've got Alisson van Dijk Gomez. Basically, the, the points I'm making is you've got Emery Chan there at six foot one, and Wijnaldum's five foot eight. But I know I'd rather go for the defensive header in an aggressive header in midfield and be Wijnaldum every time. I just think somebody you'd be talking about the mentality monster thing and the aggression in that side. If you think of the, the visits, so you think Klopp's three visits before this weekend, he had 16, 17 season, early, early season. Rubbish. I, mean, I looked at that team, I think they've only got, I think they had three starters in this team. I think it was Henderson. Van Alden and Manny. Ma- no, Manny didn't start actually. No, he was he was he played played at Arsenal. He was left out. For me, no. For me, no. For me, no. Yeah. And then the se- they lost two 0 Second season, mm-hmm. New Year's Day, Mignolet was in goal. Van Dijk had signed, but he hadn't pl- he hadn't yeah. played. Yeah, you think he signed that day? It's Lovren and Clavin at centre Yeah, Lovren and Clavin. So and then last season they left out the entire front three. They, they, they rotated after the Everton game, so they, they haven't they haven't gone to Burnley with the full artillery. And this is the first time they've done it, and this is what's happened. This, this is what I'm saying. So, like, you, you look at, and we all know Van Dyke's a huge specimen of a man, but he walks at his height. 
Mm. He walks his height and Matip's more like more like Fabinho as well. Fabinho at his height. I mean, the biggest example we were talking, I'm talking to Phil about, and not to, to dig him up, but you look at Sam Mignolet versus Alice, and Mignolet's actually the taller bloke, but if you put the two fellas in, in the frame of a goal, and that's who's the bigger, you know, yeah, it goes without saying, and I just think that, we talk about the mentality monsters thing, but I I don't know whether it's the cart before the horse, but I just think that Liverpool are so bad, so much better equipped now, mentally as well as physically, to compete with these type of games. Yeah, the, it's, we, there's a lot of evolution in this team, I think, from the last two or three years because we've gone there and as I said Neil's said we've, we've changed the team completely but it's it's controlled as well it's not just a case of we're better at football than them we've sort of stopped any sort of issues that they might bring to the table like there was no balls I don't remember that many balls that um, Van Dijk and Matip had to, had to deal with I might be completely remembering this wrong but it wasn't like there was no barrage of pressure which it felt really really odd and I it was just it was a bit strange as a whole the game actually I thought one of the things one of the things I noticed Neil was the number of times for instance Van Dijk just clears the ball yeah, that Liverpool especially in the early going of the game Liverpool were really really happy just to send it back up the pitch and just and that's that this is my my sort of takeaway from it was that Liverpool just out Burnley Burnley at times that they just were happy they were happy to play for seconds happy to look after scraps and if anything I almost got the impression reading some of his post-match comments like Sean Dyche thought that was cheating you're meant to come and try and do your thing you're not yeah. meant to come and do our thing but better yeah. and you know Van Dyke makes an unbelievable number of clearances across the 90 minutes when you think about the fact we're under pressure I think he makes 11 yeah. over just in the course of the game which I think is more than any other player this week Weekend. And so he finds himself in this situation where, you know, yeah, Van Dyke didn't have a lot to do on the one hand, but it, he sort of still did and still did it, but it was just with a minimum of fuss. I find, I find Burnley weird. I find Burnley, every time I see them, I quite like Burnley as a, as a, as a everything about them, to be honest. I think as a fans, concept. Yeah, as a, you know, like, I, I, I think I like them as a Premier League club, you know, like I, I think it's I like, good to there, yeah. I like, I like, I, would, I wouldn't like to see them go down, put it that yeah. way. You know, there's other clubs I'd like to see go. I think the fans get involved. I mean, the fans are a bit mad, but they get involved with the team. They really do back the team, and I think that's always good. Um, but they play with with two target men, loosely speaking. I actually think that I think it's over-egged how good target men they are. But they play like as if they're Jamie Vardy. So they play everything in behind, and the, the, the two slow fellas running after it. And they have, you, know, like, and you think you, you think like you know, why don't you why don't you play two Jamie Vardys and try and play like that? Because they're, you're quite good. At, you, they often get the ball in behind and get centre backs turned, but it's Ashley Barnes lumbering after it. And you think you know that seems like a bit of a waste to be honest. And I do also think I do think that for all that Ashley Barnes is like sort of fearless striker that will rough anyone up. I think he's terrified of Van Dijk. I think he doesn't want to go near him. He got sucked off. He's the man in form, and that's, that says a, everything about what I thought he was thinking. Just to go back to you on that, Neil, I thought he was losing his head a bit, uh, Barnes. Yeah. And I think there's a bit of a thing there where I think Dyche was looking at it like because he wasn't getting a kick and he yeah, couldn't yeah. get in the game. And as you say, that thing there. But I think that's part of. So what I think Liverpool do really well, when I mentioned before Van Dijk's clearances, is they almost just send it back to Burnley at times yeah. and say, "Have another go." Yeah. And it's almost like the reason why is at some point you'll have another go and you'll give it back to us quite cheaply and then suddenly we'll be back in and we'll win the right second ball. Exactly. It, that was it. It's, it's it's if you want to play launch it in behind, we've got people who can run in behind, you haven't. And you we've got centre halves, you can clear it nine times out of ten perfectly where it needs to go, and you've you haven't. You've got Ben Mees and James Tarkovsky who will shank one in the end, and we've got people who'll pick up the second ball. They won three headers between them in the whole ninety minutes. I think I think Wood won one header, and it was against Trent in the whole game. And Barnes won two, which I don't really recall him winning. I think he was probably just even he sort of yeah. got his body in and moved someone out the way. But three headers in ninety minutes. The two strikers who everyone was saying, oh, you know, this is going to be a big test for Vermatip and Van Dijk. Well, they they passed it. I thought you. I mean, it's funny you mentioned Barnes there. I thought the pair of them were running the risk of losing their heads and possibly even getting sent off at some point because every ball that was coming forward you used to see in sense you know, talk about Van Dijk you used to see in sense halves competing and getting the body in position and trying to jostle whereas Van Dijk just stands still he goes I'm going to stand here and I'm going to win this header and you can do what you want I mean the amount of times where they're climbing over the back of him yeah. and he's and he's just and he's just nodding it nodding it forward um, talking about the heads about to going back to what I was saying about the fight as well I thought one thing we did do was recycle the ball really hyped the pitch really really well the amount of bits and pieces you were saying we were going to shank it I mean, I thought Sadio Mane was fantastic at that. Uh, he won. He won two interceptions off the off the, off the Ben Me and the other centre and Tarkowski, considering he's what five foot whatever. Neil, I want to ask you a question. 
we were talking last week about the goalkeeper's distribution and what they might do because he hasn't got the, the length of Allison. Did you see what he would do, what they done more? Yeah. They played the short. They played, there was a lot more short stuff, but also when he did go long, he went, he went into the corners almost like Pickford against us. For Allardyce, he wasn't going straight down over. He was playing to, to almost towards the benches or the other side of the pitch. And I thought that negated a lot of what they might try and do to try and win the heads and get it back into our into our area. I think, that, I think that was definitely Liverpool. As I say, Liverpool, and they do with Chloe during the game, they decide that we're just not going to take any chances. We don't need to. We know. And I think that this is when we talk about Liverpool not panicking and use that sort of language. Liverpool know that if they keep the game in a relatively neutral state, that at some point the ball will break for them. And when it does, they'll be more than good enough. And in the end, you know, the opening goal we've already referred to, it is, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a fluke. It is just a fluke. But they know that with those two centre-backs, with Fabinho just in front and then with Wijnaldum and Henderson, this almost this crisscross sort of five, if you know what I mean, that they're in a position to just say, well, the game's going to come to us at some sort of point. And they arguably force it at 1-0 a little bit. But at 0-0 and at 2-0, Liverpool just cruised through the game. Yeah, it's like, it's the kind of just, it was just confidence using out of our whole defence and Fabinho, our midfield as well. But I think it's like, even last season, I was even more confident, thinking the longer this game goes on, we will get a breakthrough somewhere and we will break us down. And I feel like on Saturday, it was more like the sense of, yeah, Burnley, you can have a you can have the ball all you want. And we know that at some stage, you will eventually mess up. And then our counter-attack is that good that we can easily capitalise on this. And it happens with Ben Mee for the second goal. Um it, it was just a, a, a random error that we easily capitalised on, but for the whole game we controlled it. We won every ball. I, I was I was sat there, and even though Van Dijk didn't do nothing, I was absolutely astonished by how good he played. Even though all he was doing was headed on a ball or hoofing it away, but the fact of to know that you're up against a very physical side, and the fact that we basically just played them at their own game. And came away three 0 in cruise control. It was it was a great game for us, especially when maybe a couple of seasons ago we wouldn't have won it. Um, the midfield, Phil. We talk about the midfield. We had to talk. There's two contexts where I think Liverpool's midfield gets discussed, and this game I think is arguably the third. There's one context when it doesn't work when the high wire actor play in the midfield three and something goes a little bit wrong. The opposition do well. The shape's just not quite right, and we spend say we then come on the show and we say for an hour, my God, they couldn't quite get them get themselves into the game until half time or until sixty or etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. The second way we do it is when somebody plays an absolute blinder. We say X was brilliant. He was you couldn't live with him that day. That happens a little bit less given what what Klopp mm. asks of his midfield. I think that this is the third type, which is it works perfectly. And no one's absolutely astonishing. I think that Fabinho, you know, he has another one for his highlights reel of this is how good he is. But I think that on the whole, what you actually see there is between Henderson, Wijnaldum and Fabinho, they're able to absolutely dominate the game against that Burnley midfield in a way which, you know, without any of them having to have to be Piquet or Gerrard. Yeah, I think it's almost a five though, you know, because I think the full, the fullbacks are almost playing well, in the midfield here. Yeah. And that teams know that one of our biggest attacking threats is the full-backs, which means they're panicking about the full-backs and leaving the three midfielders with a little bit more space and possession because they know that the ball... They know they don't just know that they can get the ball and give it to the front three and they can do something. They know that they've got the options on the outside. They know that we can play. The the, the actual ability with the ball, the, the three midfielders, that they can make a big switch and put Andy Robertson in 30, 40 yards of space and the same with Trent. And... The amount of thinking we make them do that from that five is is incredible, and it really puts teams on the back foot. It's actually almost a six as well. Firmino coming yeah, yeah, back in that, yeah. that often doesn't you know like, yeah. that that was I thought that was one of the features of it where when the ball was played into a midfield position, so often it was Firmino connecting it and then just turning and, and seeing what he had around them. And you know, I, I don't like you say. I I, I tried. I thought. Watching the game, I thought Fabinho was absolutely incredible. And then I looked at, I looked went on the stats, and I just you know tried to sort of um, decorate it with some stats. Like he wasn't, you know, and statistically he didn't, he didn't win that many tackles, he didn't win that many headers. Statistically, he, he didn't, he lost some duels and that kind of thing. I was, don't remember any of them, you know. But for me, it just felt like the security that he gave on the pitch, and it felt like when something dropped from a, a centre back when he didn't quite pass it where it needed to go, or when they didn't quite head it. 
it, it just felt like he was always the one who's, who's late. I think didn't Van Dyke say on Sky he had Inspector Gadget legs? He, he said, didn't he? which I thought was brilliant in the sense that. <laughs> I didn't even know Van Dyke would know anything about Inspector Gadget, so unless maybe his kids watch it now. I've looked into this. Yeah, I did. Oh, you've looked into it? I've into it. Is he big it. in Holland? It was filmed in France, Inspector Gadget. It was, the cartoon was animated in France and it was Europe wide. Oh, right. Okay, there you go. There yeah. you go. There you go. You get, you get everything on here. You get everything you need. <laughs> Every day's a school day. Yes. <laughs> All the hard yards put in on Inspector yeah, exactly. Gadget. But, but uh, Henderson I'm, said after the game, he said, We did the dirty bits, and I thought that was a, that probably the best way to sum it up. Liverpool did the dirty bits and the nice bits as well. I'm really looking forward to. Uh, Jordan Henderson describing Trent Alexander-Arnold as Dog Tanyan uh, in later <laughs> later weeks and months uh, for the course of the season. Yeah, we can do more. Uh, get themselves right the way through. There I do is. hope this becomes a thing like the other oh. with each other post match. Like, yeah, yeah. Can you yeah. reference like the, the England, kids yeah. program? Like yeah. the England team where he was like Wolf song names. Yeah. Yeah. He was like Wolf. There is Chloe in that. You know, said before about the size of them or not the size of them, but there is that sort of. Wijnaldum and Henderson have both played six. So it's not just that you've got Fabinho in there as well, but Wijnaldum and Henderson have both sat there for Liverpool. Henderson's done it at Burnley, did it last season at Burnley. And so these footballers are left know, all knowing what what the threats are and how it works. These We've talked in the past, Wijnaldum and Henderson in particular, but others as well. These are clever footballers. They're not just, they're not just good players. They're, they clearly are thinking about the game and are educated to do so. And I think you could see that as well. They knew when, when they would need to go and help, when they needed to go and sit, when they needed to go and get involved. Yeah, it was like they read the play before it was even made. They knew what positions to be in. It was like they read the game. And therefore, by reading the game before it's even been played, they know where to where to sit. Um, and, you know, at times you can see, obviously, Hendo running forward like we did against Southampton last year, which was, you know, he's got the liability that he can now run forward now with Genie Holden when he goes. Um, but it's, it's that defensive mind of... We can sit here and just let you have the ball and we're confident in ourselves that we will win this back at some point and win that second ball and set us free. And um, I think by all of our midfielders being so... like You know, Fabinho, he's a centre-defensive mid, but he can do the job of a, a midfielder. His, his passing's unbelievable. He can set us away. He knows when to calm us down, when to just recycle play. He can play at right-back if he needs to be. He can play at centre-back. You've got Wijnaldum, you can sit. He can be an attacking mind, get us on the front foot. And then you've got Henderson, who just is the captain and does everything for the team. It's one, Phil, where Chloe's saying there, and I think I think it is. I think that the, the 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 thing about that midfield three and that one that's been selected, and I don't think, by the way, that'll necessarily be the go-to midfield three come come April. I think that one or two might have pushed away in there, but I think it will be for the first half of the season. And I think the reason why is because you get something of everything from each of them. That as as Chloe's saying, you know, they know they can all do enough. They're all enough of a set of all rounders to be able to shift gears as and when they need to. We had we had similar with the midfield at the start of last season, if you remember, because I think for the first. First month did was it Milner, Van Alden, and Cater who started? Yeah, the first yeah, three or four, and Henderson yeah. didn't really play for me. And he obviously took a while to get in, but it's almost like I think that I have this thing where the season doesn't really start until after that international break in November, and that until then you sort of because you get interrupted, you only basically get a month together, and then all your players disappear. And the, we're now in a position where we haven't got a free midweek, obviously, until January, unless we get knocked out of the League Cup. So. The, it really removes the time to to plan and do things on the training field because there simply isn't that time. So you have to go with what you know at the start and then you can sort of rotate and move players in and players out dependent on the situation. Now, there'll be games where I think you might get games at Anfield in two, three months where there's a holding midfielder who could be any of any of three players and then you could see Cater and Oxlade-Chamberlain but then there's games where you absolutely wouldn't play that team. And the the, the options we've got on midfield, uh, there's, there's, there's about nine players who you could play there in a game and you wouldn't go. Well, I think some people, if some people saw Adam Lallan on the pitch, they wouldn't be very happy. But I think that's a bit mad as a concept. But the, the, the ability we have to just pick a midfield dependent on the opposition and change it at will is huge. There's Andy Phil mentions there the week that they had to prepare. I think that's something else to point out uh, that you know it's the first time ever since we've been going to Burnley where we've had more prep time than they've had. They had the EFL Cup game midweek, uh, but in general, 
we often don't get a week. I mean, imagine what this manager would be doing if he had a week between games every single week. Imagine how good this side would look if it had that extra preparation time, that extra rest time. I think, you know, I think that's another reason why Liverpool were able to go to Burnley and just keep them so at arm's length. Yeah, you say that. I mean, we, we referenced it last week saying it's, it's Burnley had the midweek game changed 11, but you can't think about that game until the other game's out the way. But then also remember other periods when we've had long international breaks. And I think we've had Man United after an international break and we've been disappointing. So that's another area where you think we've improved. It was um, it, did, it did look like men against boys. Look physically, we looked better. There was a lot of planning going in there. Similar to the Arsenal game, I think, as well. I think we planned and something that Phil's just touched on there as well as the season goes on. Um, I always remember, I look back to the game at the City Manchester Stadium when Sadio Mane got sent off. And the Liverpool side at the start of that season was completely different to the, the team that finished the season. Same as last season. The season that starts last season is completely different to the season that finishes it. And it, as it's a constant evolution. And it keeps them on the toes. And as you said, the options we've got in midfield now. You know, we've it, got options to keep it fresh. I've just been scrambling to re- uh, find the code to remember from uh, the early 2000s. managed to find it. And if I, if, how much the game has changed. It was Otmar Itzfeld when he was manager of Bayern Munich. And I think it was early in 2000. I think they lost two of the first five or two of the first six. And he just glibly went, well, yeah, well, the season doesn't really, you know, the season really doesn't really start till October, November, does it? And there's that much of a sea change now. It's it, it's mad. Um, and you may say, oh, it doesn't really start till after the international break. But if that's a starting pistol we have now, I've got ourselves jockeyed ourselves into a brilliant position. We've just done the qualifying uh, on the grid, got ourselves sorted out. Um, let's have a chat about the spat. Um, and the front three in doing so. Uh, we mentioned before, for me, the quality of Firmino's ball to Manny. In every sense, Neil, the little image you get when they walk up the tunnel um, <laughs> in that goal itself. Um, the first thing to say before you talk about the two footballers who are at the centre of it, the extent to which it really does re-emphasise to any sort of casual viewer, let alone one who watches Liverpool as much as we do, how important Roberto Firmino is to this team is ridiculous. In how important you suspect he is in every single sense to this team. Yeah. It's great face, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it really was. Great, great face. Um, <laughs> look, I, you said you called it the spat, and it was it was a spat. It, it's not it's it's not an anything lingering. I can I can assure you of that. You know, yeah. it, it won't it won't be anything further. It, I think what it basically was was, I think Mane got a volley off of Henderson after the Arsenal game when he got to, got basically told off for playing a little bit too. Too much for himself. No, not too much. For him. Probably not playing seriously enough. Let's let's say that you know it was too comfortable for him, so he was doing this. And I think he's come off having a moan uh, about Salah. You could say probably doing the same. Salah thinking of his goal rather than thinking of of four nil, five nil, six nil. He was thinking of I, I haven't scored. I haven't scored Salah, which we've seen him do it loads. I mean, what was he like at the end of last season when someone must have someone must have whispered in and said Aubameyang's got two there and Mane's got two. You're going to share the golden boot against Wolves. He put the last twenty minutes. He he basically just was like, well, every time I get the ball, I'm going to go for goal because I want to score. That's what he is. But I think basically Mane's gone a little bit sort of well. I'm going. You you. You're bollocking me last week for this, you know what what's going on here, and you know that's it's been played out in public, which is not never advanced, never never great, but really it's not it's it's nothing. You know Liverpool have won three 0 and I said to someone someone was moaning about basically saying it, they'd rather have drawn the game and that not happen because <laughs> because that hints at what? why the problems. That's what someone was saying. I was like, well, if you if if the biggest thing you've got to moan about is you've just beat Burnley three 0 your club's in pretty rude health, isn't it? If that happens on the pitch, no one gives a shit. Yeah. And I'll tell you exactly what, because earlier in the first half, Henderson turns around and, and volleys Trent over something. Yeah. And no one's talking about it. And it, there was there was there was venom in what ended up. Well, I don't know what it was over. Yeah. But he's turned around and he's given him a bollock. If that happens on the pitch, no 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 one really gives a shit. But what what it's been a perfect storm, man. Mane's just missed a chance. If he gets subbed five minutes later, nothing happens. Yeah. It's just because it's instantly after. And the other side of it is I I, I want them to be at each other. All right, maybe not in the influence of the camera lens where everyone yeah. go mad on Twitter and them or social media as a whole and make a big thing out of what I want that. I want them digging each other out. And the the, the, the Firmino thing as well. I mean, I've pulled that face before, I think, coming into our office a couple of times. I'm just saying, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah, for me, it's 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 not and you know, the not just as Jurgen Klopp made light of it Firmino's made light of it then Salah also put a video of it on his story on Instagram with laughing faces I don't think and and, and if you think for a second that Jürgen would just let it sit there and not actually sort it out 
I mean, it's it's unbelievable. It's it, it's a situation where should Salah passed, yeah, but when you've got two players who are a good uh, as good as Mane and Salah, and they're both gonna go for Golden Boot, you you're not gonna get like where where Firmino will pass, and he doesn't really care about goals. Those two definitely do, and Salah always wants to contribute, and. I think it was something like the most assists to Mane is actually Salah with like 12 or something like that. Um, and I think it's just in the heat of the moment, Mane's got a bit too frustrated and it's been out in the public eye and then the media has then made it even more exaggerated than it should have been. But I, I, don't, I think behind the scenes, it's all fizzled out now. I think the big question is, does he slide him in at 1-0? Uh, nil, nil, sorry. Does he slide him in? I Probably. think he will have done. Probably, yeah. Yeah. I think I think that, that that's one big question. The other one, though, Phil. To be fair, we've we've spent a lot of the summer want, wanting Liverpool, me especially, you know, me as much as anyone, wanting Liverpool to add to the front three. And I think that this maybe is a bit of a window on the fact that the manager has got a little bit of a balancing act. He really does have, you know, these are the, the two two in particular. But I think that for me, you know, you know, wants to see Liverpool succeed. But you know, likes he likes a no look goal, for instance. I think that there is a there is a thing here where. It will have taken some balancing. It will take some managing. It always will. I mean, that's literally the manager's job is to manage them. But we can quite glibly say get another boss player in for the front three. But you you don't quite know what the knock on effects of that might be when you know they all want to play. And I think that the other thing about Manny is I suspect Manny isn't happy about Salah, but I suspect he's also not happy about being subbed because he's thinking to himself, "I can get another goal here. I'm I'm enjoying myself." And he's and he's now getting the hook. And I think Salah doesn't like to be substituted either. There's lots of attackers who, in the, when the three nil up in games, don't want to come off because you want to be able to knock the ball in the back of the net and the manager's got all this to deal with all the time yeah they, it's, they just want to they, they basically just want to score as many goals as possible and, in there, and like in Mane's head all he's thought is I have more chances going and so pass me the ball it's it's probably a really simplistic thing that just looks in a, you get into a position where it just looks something that it very much isn't and I, I, I'm quite happy. Did Firmino come off on Saturday as well? Was it? Yeah, he came off the same time. So, yeah. so the two of them came off as well. Which it was, it was Firmino was trying to calm him down, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. Yes, of course it was. Did, so at first, I didn't think Firmino was had a clue what was going on. He was chatting, <laughs> drinking his drink, and, and Mane was kicking off. It was Milner who originally moved, wasn't it? He got up and sat next to Mane and was like, "Good luck, I'm telling him to calm down." It's, it's an interesting way of managing the squad, though, now, isn't it? Because there's a position where they they would never really come off and. I don't know if you remember in 13, 14, for example, Suarez and Sturridge basically just stayed on mm. all the time. I mean, I know we didn't have European football and so it wasn't quite as pressing, but he stayed on all the time. And now I think, I don't think they've all three finished the game after they together. I think one of them's come off in all four, at least one of them's come off in all four games so far. I think one, I think. Of, the, one of the reassurance, sorry, Phil, I thought you finished. Um, okay. One of the things I took from it, reflecting on it yesterday on a lovely Sunday, was how much it appears that there's not a hierarchy there. Mm. Because um, if there was a hierarchy there, you'd expect Mane to just just accept it and trudge off with his shoulders dropped. Where yeah. you know they obviously feel equal parts, the same, and it could have. And I think Salah's been pulled off before as well, and, and the other two being left on the pitch. And I think that's the that from a squad point of view is really encouraging to see. If we're trying to if we're trying to look at it from a different point of view, because so many times with so many teams now, you look at the Neymar and Ronaldo when he was at Madrid, yeah. he was the godhead, cannot be questioned. Or Gerard at Liverpool, you know, there was there was players at Liverpool who wouldn't pass the ball to someone else if Gerard was near them. Not not because Gerard would demand it, but just because they were sort of in hero worship to, towards him. There isn't that is that well, there's so many that you can be in hero worship towards, I suppose, that you you look wherever you go. The, they will wanna they will wanna both succeed, Neil, and I think they'll they'll be at the lava the centre that Liverpool need to succeed for them to succeed. So it, it is the way football works that they are in this together. But it is it is maybe worth ever so slightly reflecting on you know even things we know we know from the way the managers acted how important for instance African Player of the Year is to these mm. two footballers. They both got to go to the ceremony even though it's awkwardly timed. Mm. Well, they'll both be up for that again. Um, and yeah. they're, they're in, they are in competition with one another. They tied for the Golden Boot last season. And yeah, football is a team game, and I'm sure that all of it pales into insignificance left to next to lifting up the Champions League. But there is there is. You know, there's room for a little bit of this, as Andy says. He, he quite likes to see it. There is room for a little bit of this, and it's it's it is achingly possible for these two to end up in that place a tiny little bit. Yeah, definitely. Well, who's who? Are the the greatest of the last fifteen years. One of them is absolutely one hundred percent driven by the fact that on his Wikipedia page it says he's European Player of the Year or he's Golden Boot winner or he's this or that. You know, that's that's not a bad fuel to have. You know, it, it might not be. It might not be as good as the guy who would would sacrifice every last drop of his his body for for the cause of the team, but 
at the same time he is sort of doing that. You know, Ronaldo. I'm talking about Ronaldo, obviously, but Salah <laughs> is 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 of that ilk. I think Salah is driven by the fact that you know he's got billboards around the world and he's on the cover of GQ magazine and he's this and that and he he, he is an icon. You know, for 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 a nation, not just not just for Liverpool. So I don't see there's any any problem there. Mane is less. I think he's less overtly. Interested in that kind of thing, but I don't. I don't think his desires any 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 less than than Salah's to to do that. But you know, look, it's, it shows how how boring Liverpool have made the Premier League at the moment, doesn't it? That, well, that, this is even a, a thing. Same with Guardiola and Maguero um, a few weeks back, wasn't it? Where it, was, it became a, came an issue, which wasn't. I think Aguero. What did he get two at the weekend? It's obviously not. It's obviously not. He's got that sort of team. Scored a goal every forty five minutes this season. Yeah, he's well. don't, fine. Don't, don't forget as well the amount of players who've thrived on that kind of relationship. I'm not saying that's the case yeah. with Salah and Mane. Keane and Ferguson, Sheringham and uh, yeah. Cole as well. Cole. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, but you look at you look at captain and manager. Roy Keane, Roy Keane's whole career with everyone. With everyone, <laughs> Ferguson's whole career with yeah. everyone as manager. You know, got 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 conflict out of it. So I don't know. No. There's no no um, no worry there for me. Um, Twelve points uh, from four games, Chloe. Uh, Thirteen consecutive league wins. It's it is when Neil says before. You know, he used to, he, he asks the question a little bit. A uh, Liverpool boring. Uh, they are currently so good and so far ahead of everybody that they're facing. You feel as though. They've not really been properly tested yet. It's four games in. One of them was against Arsenal, and you just don't feel as though anyone, maybe Chelsea for a period of time in the Super Cup, uh, you don't feel as though, even though at the time they haven't been brilliant, people just, sides just can't get near them. Yeah, it feels like you've run out of words for them because what seems like boring because we're just constantly winning. It's just they set new standards every single game and, and they keep hitting them. Um, the Super Cup, we did look a, a bit off it, but. Once again, you know, it just being the start of the season, I think we just played Norwich, hadn't we? And you know, you st- for the first part of the season, you know, in pre-season you don't face top quality teams like you do in the Premier League. Uh, if you do, you'll probably face the youth players that have that have been given a go. So it was a really tough test for us when we came through it. And then since then, we've just we've just hit new highs. Arsenal was 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 the game where you thought, oh, we are, we, we, you know, we've we've got back to how we were last season. And then against Burnley last week, it was literally just it was just cruised. Um, it's thirteen consecutive league wins. Phil within there is winning the Champions League, is beating Barcelona four 0 at home. There is the Super Cup in there as well. You know this because it it, it straddles the two seasons. This is this the, Liverpool. You know, he said before they haven't lost a league game since January. Uh, they haven't lost a tie since January either. If you accept the Barcelona thing over two legs, this is a great Liverpool side, and it may may be the greatest. We've lost well, we've lost one league game in fifteen months. It's not even like it's since January. Like the penultimate defeat in the league was Chelsea away three day, three days after we played Rome. Like since that day, we've played in more Champions League finals than lost league games, which is ridiculous. <laughs> like that, that's something that shouldn't be possible. This team is absolutely ridiculous. It's just, it's just crazy what we're doing, and you, you try and find words for it, and I'm, I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to say because it's, it's, it's like one of the easiest things to say how good this Liverpool team is, and it's, it's scary how good it is. And it's that good that the, the, for eighteen clubs, the, the Premier League's over hmm. now. It's not August only ended on on Saturday, and the Premier League race. It's not even, it's not even like. Oh, you knee jerk and whatever you you know you're doing it. It it they're they're already too far ahead of them. They they will never there'll be no stage of this this season now where Man United, Tottenham, Arsenal, Chelsea have made up three points on City and Liverpool. They just they they they're as far away now. They're only going to get further away, and that's after four five games. Four yeah, four games yeah. Sorry, yeah. And yet, you look at this Liverpool side, and you can see where it could improve, which is which is mm-hmm. the even more worrying thing. Um, I mean, you, you talk about the, the title race. I, I found the crackers, and and then your response was brilliant because I was looking at it coming in and looking at what what the odds were outside the top two to win the Premier League and the nearest side to it now sixty to one, and to, to which you said, "Wouldn't back him at 600. Yeah, six hundred." Who is it, Chelsea? Spurs. Spurs. <laughs> I never I never saw the game, but it, it, we were talking about were, the, the Spurs Arsenal game, and it was like it was almost like it's a different. Level. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was a good game, a good, good, fun game to watch. But you're talking about like 
how you go snobbery you're used to watching Liverpool and City but you're looking at look at the space that they're leaving there those idiots look at them they're giving the ball off for throwing you know it's just like that kind of sort of the stand like like Chloe says the standards have gone up that much in the Premier League with Liverpool and City that you just go these teams you know like, I don't even, I don't even care about Arsenal could win 10-0 next week and you wouldn't convince me that they could get anywhere near Liverpool and City they're just they're just not they're, they're playing they're in the second tier now they're, they're playing for third and you know, you said the scary thing is this Liverpool team can get better. The scary thing is this Liverpool team is this good and I still don't think they're going to win the league. Yeah, well, there's yeah. that. I mean, the, the one thing I did see from the Spurs game in the dispatches this morning was Jeff Shreves walking Harry Kane through his dive on TV. Have you seen it? No. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. So they get they get um, Harry Kane uh, post-match interview and Shreves asks him about his, about the, the incident and he's and he Harry Kane's going through his thing, going, oh well, you know, I think it was if it was on the halfway line, it get, get, gets given, and you know because it's in the area. And as he's saying this, Shreves rolls the video on the telly next to him, and it's the most brilliant thing in the world ever, honestly, unreal. And he goes, oh well, you know, uh, maybe it was fifty fifty. He's gone for being absolutely stone while it was there for a pen. So, oh, hang on a minute. It's uh, before we call everyone else shit, Chloe, because I went to that. I want to do that on this show. Um, we'll have four games now, and it's, it is actually on the agenda. Don't worry, I am going to slaughter everyone else. I've taken. Uh, I've, I've chosen not to do it so far this this season. So we're going to have a good go Leicester in a minute. Good. Uh, we'll, we'll probably all end up being nice about Leicester, but there is a uh, there is being able to take a breath and really appreciate this thing that's in front of us. And I think that that's the the thing to remember is uh, you know you may want to say well you can get better, but. It's pretty hard to. There's not a ton of room. These are back-to-back Champions League games, as Phil says. They haven't lost since God knows when. That the journey of getting better is, it's possible. But there's, you know, it's like like a game of snakes and ladders. You can't really get past a hundred. Um, and Liverpool are currently sitting on ninety-seven. Yeah, it, it, to think last year, you know, City won. Was it something like twelve, thirteen games on the bounce? And you know, four games in they've dropped eighteen of the last nineteen they won 18, in the end. I think Jesus. did they win? Did they, was it fourteen on the bounce to win the title? I think it was yeah. just ridiculous. Absolute ridiculous. And any other any other season, we we would have won it straight away. And I think it is a two horse race. And I could have told you that last season. Um, these teams have improved, yeah, but they haven't improved where they needed to. The likes of Arsenal, they went out and bought Pepe for seventy million when their defence is absolutely yeah. shocking, like. It, it's woeful and Pepe's came in he's he's looked decent but his finishing his finishing quality is just like yesterday he got in so many good positions but the final ball or his shot was just it was nowhere near and I think these teams they have improved but they haven't improved in the spaces where they need to the likes of Tottenham why would you ever get rid of Trippier when you don't have backup right back where's Serge Aurier does anyone know he's been injured he's, he's he was on the bench yesterday there's also talk they're going to get rid of him just, he'd like to go him as well it's, it's a talk he'd like to go it's, it, it, it's absolutely mad they've not improved in areas where they need to and they've just re-established more attacking forces more attacking forces but for us the places where we need to improve is probably in, in, in squad depth and that's really it. You know, the, the midfield, maybe you can have a bit more competition, but we've got that many players now who want to play for this team and who have the ability to play for this team that on, you know, a Saturday and a Sunday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday, to pick your team, it can change each week. There's potentially something quite big that we'll get news of in the next couple of days, though, if... Um with Laporte's injury because that doesn't sound great at all and if he's out for it sounds a bit like a horrible thing to say but it's a huge boost for us if he's out for, if he's out long term because that leaves them with Stones, Otamendi and a 34-35 year old Fernandinho as the centre-back options which is not and I know they don't do a lot of defending but it's not a situation you really want to be in is it if you're them to leave Kyle Walker there do you reckon? yeah I think that's the plan anyway I mean, Fernandinho Fernandin- Fernandin- came yeah. out and basically said he was He's now a centre back. They'll use Fernandinho and Kyle Walker there. Yeah. I think. I think the journey for Kyle Walker this summer, this season, is going to be that he's going to end up playing. Well, well, that's a he looks massive, doesn't he? Yeah. Well, uh, Kyle Walker. Yeah. 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 He's been. He's been working on it. Forget. Um, I mean, forget Laporte being injured. They've, Man City are going to play Kyle Walker at centre back. That's a boost for Liverpool. I like him. You like Kyle? Like what? Him. What has? I think. He, I think he's. I think he'll make a, right. re, I think he'll make think a really good centre defender for City. Absolutely dreadful. Pace on the cover, mate. One day he's, he's, he's lightning quick. One, pace, one day his legs are going to fall off. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, one day his legs will just go. I think. Like, I think he's one of those players where one day he's great and then 
Oh wow, where have, where's he gone? Yeah, like Kevin Ratcliffe one for the teenagers there. Um, <laughs> there is um, pop culture references. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I love Centre Halves with legs, legs go. If if, if if I ever do a solo book, that's what it'll be about. Centre Halves who later did like the four games after the Centre Halves legs go, like when Honcho just went in about three days, <laughs> uh, went from being absolutely fine to my god, you'd never pick him again. One of the I not Centre Halves right back, but I always remember uh, really really good. If you haven't read the Gary Neville, yeah. yeah. His admittance when he just said Jerome it was Wigan. It was, it was, it was, it was West Thomas. Brom. It was. West Brom. Yeah. No, he should have got sent off. Yeah. The referee didn't give it. And he said, Rio Ferdinand come in at half time and said, Sorry, I should have been around on the cover. And he said, He just went to Rio. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm retiring. <laughs> like, that's how bad it was. He, I'm he was retiring at half time yeah. in a football game. Like. Yeah. Um, Okay, Liverpool are the best version of Liverpool there's possibly ever been. Uh, don't worry too much about that one. You are currently watching the best football team you could possibly ever have watched. What a time to be alive. Uh, that is currently the situation. Moving on to slaughter everyone else in a second, but before then, uh, as we've been recording the show, uh, it looks like Glasgow Rangers are very close to agreeing a permanent deal for Ryan Kent. Uh, Fear being the region of six or seven million pounds. Uh, personal terms and medical to do once there's club agreements. That's very good money for a lad who's not kicked a ball in the first team for Liverpool, I don't think. He's played one FA Cup game, Exeter, which I think I was on the bench for. You, you, you were in the squad, and Jose Enrique was playing centre back with Thiago Alori. And but Christian Benteke was captain. Benteke was captain, yeah. I was, I was about, you've ruined that. I was about, to, I was about to throw that oh, up. That's a question, yeah, was it? Yeah. Sorry. Um, but yeah, he, well, he's wanted out, and he's been down. And he should want out, by the way. He should want out. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's got to go play. Yeah, he's got to go 22. He's got to go play football. Yeah, he, he actually played for his career. I, I, Reckon he's played over 100 games now. You're right. Career. Yeah, he's had four, four or five loans. Not all of them have worked out, but yeah, you know, good money for him. I know Bruges, Bruges were another team who were, were, were they're keen to sign him. Must have had a glowing recommendation <laughs> of Simon Mignolet. But um, Rangers is the one he wants, and you know, judging by what they were doing at the weekend, they could probably use somebody to, to make them a bit better. Cause not going to have a problem were, getting a game there. Yeah, no, well, I can't, couldn't believe Ojo wasn't playing yesterday. That was. Just seemed bizarre that he wasn't on the pitch. Before we skip on to the next bit, uh, and we talk about how comfortable it was about Burnley, I think um, save Adrian makes from Bud early on ah. is a good save. Yeah. Uh, save they should make, but all this talk of pressure and one thing and the other, and that sets the stage because as good as we were and the gap between the clubs and blah, 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 1 0 behind a totally different game to then what plays yeah. afterwards. And Trent made the great clearance as well uh, in front of his own goal where he somehow got over the bar. That was, yeah. you know, yeah, remarkably good full-back defending on yeah. the cover. Did you get on to Adrian celebrating the goals, by the way? And get Absolutely this. loves it. Yeah, like bang into it. I've never, see, I've never seen a goalkeeper look- celebrate goals like that. Even yeah. Pe- like it's more than Pepe Reina used to celebrate goals. Also- and that man once ran the length of a field to celebrate with David and goal. As much as he loves the denim over shirt, he loved. Wow. Uh, he loved the clean sheets as well. Just just on that note, he loved the clean That's sheets. That's massive, as well. but, no, but understandably so. Because he makes the late save from Rodriguez yeah. uh, as well yeah. as part. Because at that point, it would have just gone three one. It wouldn't have mattered in theory, but it mattered massively to him and to his teammates on that. Uh, Kent going there then Phil as I say it's he's only ever played one game for Liverpool but what it shows is that the Liverpool policy around what they've been doing with these loan players shows that they're able to command big fees yeah I mean you, you theoretically you loan people out for two reasons don't you you either put them in a shop window or you're getting them experience and he's the uh, he's the foreman of those two um, methods and we we sent him out. Did he go somewhere? You went. Did he go to Germany? He went to Germany as well didn't he? Freiburg yeah. and then I think that didn't work and he went to Bristol City maybe and then he spent last season at Rangers, and he won Young Scottish Player of the Year, didn't he? Yeah. Young, young yeah. player. Did he? Yeah, he was Young Player of the Year, and he was in the Team of the Year as well. Yeah. Um, so it's obviously he's been able to go there and go, look, this is what I'm about, and it's it's worked for everyone's benefit, I think, because the chances of him actually making it at Liverpool were were very slim. Because it's at the end of the day, look, what, how old is he now? He's what, 22, 23. If you're on loan at Rangers at the age of 22, 23, it's not very likely that you're going to come back and be. A first team player with this Liverpool team, is it? So we've got seven million for him. He's getting first team football at somewhere where Rangers he's clearly good him. enough for Rangers will play him. It's it's the best. And it's a great example to other people who go out on loan as well because it's a good move, Rangers. He's playing in Europe. Big crowds. They've got a chance of winning a title. I mean, I think Celtic are obviously gonna win it, but they'll probably be second. They'll not they might give him a run for the money, but it's it's a proper move. And it's the players. It says the players that okay, you might not make it at Liverpool, but if you go out and work and have the right attitude, you'll get a move like that. And that's that's 
if you're not going to make it at Liverpool, that's the next best thing for them. Um, all right, then. Let's slaughter everyone else, Chloe. Um, United, Spurs, Chelsea not making up seven points, as Neil said, on Liverpool uh, at this stage of proceedings. That gap's only going to go one way. It's not going to go the other way. It is... It's staggering, really, how quickly that that gap's now actually brought itself back into the equation. Seven points off the back of four games shouldn't we shouldn't be talking about this. And yeah, you know, to be fair to Tottenham, they've had two difficult away games. Two of the three toughest away games they'll have all season are Arsenal, uh, Manchester City, and Liverpool. They haven't had us yet, but they've had two of them. So they have got slight mitigating factors. But the gulf isn't just in results; it's also in performances. They look miles away. Yeah, against Aston Villa that first half, they were dominated. In in the second half, they managed to come back into it, which was quite lucky. Um, the likes of Arsenal, great going forward, shambles defensively. Chelsea, they can they can get themselves in front. They just then don't know how to close up shop. They don't know how to defend a lead. It's like they don't have any leaders on the pitch to say, this is what we need to do, keep disciplined and keep focused. Um, the one with United... Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I was, I was listening to his, you know, his, his interview after it and he was watching a totally different game to what I was watching. He thought United played good and not once against... The, the first 25 minutes, I thought they were decent and that's Daniel James. All I ever do is pass him the ball and say shoot. It, it, it's like you've got... Does anyone know what he is? Is he like 22? 21. 21. 20, 20, 21. You've got a 21-year-old taking all the responsibility up front here because... In that game, Rashford had maybe one, one, maybe one, two half chances. But apart from that, they created absolutely nothing. And at the back, Harry Maguire, from this colossal that everyone said he'd be, he looks a shambles as well. Um, just making stupid errors. Like he, he'll go forward with the, with the ball and and then pass it to absolutely no one. And you just think to yourself, what was the point? But with with United, I think it's also the problem that the manager actually thinks they're playing decent because. They were far from it when I watched. I mean, Southampton. The, the fixtures they've had. Yeah, that's that's the worst. That's the worst thing. United seven points behind, but they've had, they've played Crystal Palace at home, Southampton away. They got they won. They beat Chelsea, so they already had the start. So the last three, they've had Wolves. What well, they two points from Wolves, Southampton, and Crystal Palace. Yeah. What are they going to be like when they've got they're going away to City and then they've got Arsenal away? Then you've got they've got to come to Anfield. The league game four days after they've been yeah, to Kazakhstan. Then, yeah, they got yeah they got that. Is it Astana they've yeah. got to go to? Yeah. It's only going to get worse. But the, the thing about it, Neil, is and without you know it can turn fast and it's turned relatively quickly for us um, uh, since you know since twenty fifteen. It can turn it can turn quickly, but at the minute. It's the gulf. It's not so much the results. It's the absolute, like, you're watching. And for all of these sides, it's not just United. I, I throw Chelsea in there. The actual, it doesn't look to me on any of them, any of the other four of the top six. Tottenham were the ones who looked like they had the springboards, a potential springboard. That, to me, looks like it's 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 ebbing away. The gulf is the biggest it's been between Liverpool and the rest, with the exception of City. I think since 1990, uh, mm. since maybe even since 1988, you know, it is that big Liverpool to everybody else. Possibly, yeah. I mean, you look, you look at Sheffield United would never have come. No, never, no, no slight against Sheffield United. They would never have even tried to come back from two 0 down at the at Anfield or the Etihad. They'd have got, they'd have done the Burnley. They'd have gone, you know, two 0 Let's just let's just play some football and just keep the ball and just keep them out and see sort of shake hands on a on a two 0 or a three 0 but. You wouldn't do that at Chelsea, would you? You'd go, do you know what? We get a goal here, we'll we'll get something. We'll get something from these. Arsenal the same. You know, you go 2 0 up at, at Arsenal. Liverpool did it a few years back, didn't they? And threw it away and ended up getting a 3 all. That was the old Liverpool. At Manchester City 2 0 up at, at, at the Emirates at half time, or just before half time, they go, they go and win that 3 0. There's no question about it. But clubs now can see the see the chin of, of these, these other clubs, these Manchester United. Crystal Palace going to Old Trafford and winning. Crystal Palace, like that. Are they are they fourth or fifth in the league? Yeah, by the way, Crystal Palace. I I I genuinely thought they might get relegated with like under twenty points because I saw them the first game, the well, second game of the season against um, Sheffield United, and they, they were so bad. And they go to Old Trafford the following week and win. Did you see that someone put the league table up from like the first yeah. of March and they're third? It's only it's only Liverpool and City yeah. isn't it? who've got more. It's not like it's one of those things where players. I refused because I was convinced that yeah. they, I it, was also the same thing that I thought they were going to get relegated because I don't really know where well, the goals are coming from. And now I don't understand why Hodgins isn't shouting this from the rooftop because it's the kind of thing that he would do yeah. to tell everyone how good he is. Yeah, but like I'm saying, these clubs now there's no there's no fear of going to Old Trafford. There's no fear of going to Stamford Bridge with with the because. 
it's not even it's not even a case of they're just not playing well. You look at the team and they're not that good. You know, you look at Chelsea and you go, oh God, no, we got oh God, we got um, we got nobody. We got we got nobody. You know, we got Tammy Abraham up front who he, he was in the championship last season playing well. He's doing all right this season, but he's not. He doesn't strike fear into into a newly promoted team. They they played them last year. You know, so there's not there's not that that element of these are. These are massive clubs that are going to win most of their games. Now there's a, there's, a, there's a genuine case to say that if they were coming to your ground, you can beat them. What does the United side look like, Neil? Question mark, please. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, like, you, you, we talked about Leicester previously. You know what a Rodgers side's going to play like. Whatever it is, you know what a Rodgers mm. side's going to play like. You know what a Guardiola side's going to look like. Uh, you know you know what Lampard, Chelsea was yeah. going to look like. They're going to they're score loads of goals and concede loads of goals. I have no idea what Man United are. I have no idea what they are and what they're going to look like in three or four years' time. And it and it appears that they don't know either. Uh, I mean, the Palace one was interesting because, and I don't want to say that they're going to drop as far as we did, but you can see there's an, an, an anxiety there and a lack of identity. I mean, in what world do the, 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 the Palace do United? At all time. In injury twice. time. In injury twice. time. So, Having yeah. conceded a goal. Having conceded a goal. When you in think injury the next time. Thing, the, the next thing that happens when United equalise later on, what's mm. the next thing that happens? United mm. go on and win the game. That's what happens, and it doesn't. And I think that there's major. I don't. I don't know what the answer is for them. I mean, I jokingly said on on social media the other day, wasn't it more fun when United weren't shit? But actually, it it was more fun when United weren't shit. Yeah. As much as. But and Liverpool. It, Liverpool need these clubs to be good mm-hmm. because exactly. they need someone to to, to, to land a dig on City yeah. and not go there. You know. But what does a, what does a club Liverpool side look like? You know the basic ingredients yeah. are all there. And I, I just honestly don't know. The inertia around Old Trafford is something I never thought I'd see in my lifetime. Not mainly because they're so big, but because of the resources they've got. But they've tried that approach. They've tried spending three, four hundred grand a week on players that are just going to turn it on overnight. When, and it's not worth when, when you look at their squad, though, they basically need to sell everyone by about five players. Like, well, that's been the problem like, for them is turning it around all the but time. But it almost looks like they do it. They've actually started on the slightest sort of do this this summer because they've got rid of what? Two or three to death. Has he got Lukaku's gone? Zamian's gone. Sanchez. Sanchez has gone. So they're sort of moving Smalling. out these players, small and as well. So that's four in the last week, isn't it? But the now? question is, though, can they bring the players in to replace them? This is the question we asked last week. When how, how long? If you're a footballer, how long are you have the Champions League before well, to, the top players well, in Europe? It's a structural thing with them, though, isn't it? They need to actually put a proper structure in place to buy these players that's that can put them back because they haven't got that, and it's they've got Ed Woodward. Almost acting yeah. as a director and, of football, and, also, and he's not a director of football. But in that situation now that Liverpool were in with Brendan Rodgers, where you pre- you preach the philosophy of I want to trust younger players, I like to trust younger players. Well, the reason he wants to trust younger players and these players is because the older players don't want to play for him, mm. and they, they see through him. So they they're not gonna. You, it's not a case of Brendan Rodgers couldn't have said that Liverpool. You know what? I, 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 we saw what happened. Stephen Gerrard laid it bare in his book. Said that Brendan Rodgers was getting him to text Tony Kroos and saying, "Do you fancy playing for us?" As if it was a Saturday team. That that that, that was because the manager didn't have the clout to, to get a player like Brendan Rodgers couldn't ring Tony Kroos up and say, "Come and play for me," because he'd just go, "No." Solskjaer's got the same same issue. As much as I'd love to slaughter Man United for ages, uh, Phil, there is a sudden opportunity and if I was a director of one of the clubs I'm about to name, I'd be getting everyone in this international break and saying we can come fourth, we can maybe even come third. Leicester, Everton, West Ham are all, all of a sudden should be feeling like pretty frisky runners and riders for a battle for top four. I think West Ham are the interesting one though, you know, because no one's really talking about West Ham. But if you look at them on paper, you see the front four they're fantastic. Like, the front four yeah, on Saturday, Anderson, Anderson and yeah. Haller. And that's with that uh, Fournay. They brought mm. him from Spain. There's Declan Rice in midfield. Yeah. There's the yeah, Mark Noble. Of Jack Mark Noble still there. Like you can say what you want about Mark Noble, but he's a he's a decent Premier League footballer who knows what what he's about and what his team are about. And then Issa Diop's a really good centre back. Um Fredericks has started I mean, the season well. The goalkeeper's well. that the goalkeeper. I mean the goalkeeper's arguably the third best in the league. well, fourth best if you were saying I mean De Gea is obviously not what he was two or three years ago, but Fabianski's not that far behind the top three goalkeepers in terms of what he brings to West Ham. Like they're the their surprise and then I mean Wolves look a bit I think Wolves might have a bit of a thirteenth, fourteenth in them this season, to be honest with Europe. But I think they might do quite well in Europe. 
Well, I think I think if you're Wolves, you probably decide before the season your best way may well have been Europa League. Now that might now be inaccurate in terms of getting in the Champions. That might that might actually now be inaccurate. It might have been an inaccurate decision or assessment. But my point is, Chloe, is that all these sides that I've just mentioned, Everton, Leicester, West Ham, if Phil wants to lash Wolves into the equation, he's more than happy to do so. I, I think as I was I was doing knocking them out. I think a lot of people would put them in, but I was saying no, the complete opposite. I'm getting rid of them now as well. Yeah, uh, it's those three I think who would feel as though there's a real chance here to target that top four. Yeah, definitely, because, you know, the 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 bigger six from years ago aren't capitalising on anything. Um, and the, the the thing with Everton is, you know, the Aston Villa, they looked absolutely shocking against. But, you know, Wolves came to them and I thought, you know, I, I thought Wolves would at least get a draw out of that game. But, you know, they've, they've managed to, to pick it out and, and, and get all the three points. And I think Everton, even though... They're very inconsistent. I think they can challenge for at least top six, maybe top four. I don't know, but the main one I I I'm, I'm focused on is Leicester because, um, not just am I like looking at the team and thinking, wow, I'm also really liking their style of play. Um, I I I think it was Jamie Carragher who came out and said we should be looking into Ma- uh, Madison. I think Madison's a, a class player. Um, Vardy, you know, he just. He makes things look simple. Like all he does is a direct run, and he's in through one goal, and and just the timing of his run was perfect. The goal that he scored that chip, did anyone see it? it was yeah, the, I, like, I like the um, the second goal as well, where he basically it was a proper predator's goal, that like yeah. where he just sort of stuck bang, dangled his leg out, and it and yeah. it ends up in the goal. And did that Turkish lad at centre half looks quite good as well? So I can't, really I can't really for the life of me pronounce his name. Oh, so yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, but he looks. He, you can see why they didn't yeah. bother replacing Harry Maguire. I think they probably need a goalie, but yeah. he's, he's the he's a bit of a club legend, I like isn't him, he? You know. Yeah, yeah. I think I mean, like, of, he reminds me of Paul Robinson. I it's loads of goals in it. You go. How's uh, that gone in? I I still think that I'll I'll go back when he was on a free from Leeds and we signed Sam Mignolet. I was like I. I, I I really like look the lad's got a Premier League medal in his well, yeah, yeah. you don't win the league unless you're like no, yeah, right. and then who else is drink this is the thing with the goalkeepers not to move the conversation along but outside the established order who is there yeah there just isn't well, so, Leicester, Leicester are good at getting sort of decent European players in aren't they that, that you say oh, you know, they've done well to get him so I'm sure they could find someone and they're going to have to at some point because he's wrong side of the earth anyway isn't he but got, they've, got, they've, they've just got good players haven't they <laughs> Yeah, I've just got, got players. players. Oh, but Liverpool have got the best players. Uh, a fantastic <laughs> victory against Burnley. Liverpool did the absolute business. The rest of the Premier League's looking on in awe. The Reds are too good. Sports Social Podcast Network.